very good afternoon to all, huh? brothers and sisters in the Dhamma. Today is the 26th November 2023. So we will be continuing our sharing from this book. What is the difference between awareness and consciousness? Huh? This is the book uh, based on the direct transcript from the recording of the Dhamma talk conducted by me in the year 2019, yeah? 11 July 2019. So it's almost four plus years ago. Mm. And it's a very good book. I think we have started here at page 18, with the last paragraph. And afterwards, we will continue our sharing from there. So as usual, we will uh, do the puja chanting. Yeah? Let us compose our mind, develop the faith, sadha, virya. Then mindfully, we shall commence the puja chanting. Namo Pensu Su Chiamoni Fo. Namo Pensu Su Chiamoni Fo. Namo Pensu Su Chiamoni Fo. Namo Kwan Sing Pusa. Namo Kwan Sing Pusa. Namo Kwan Sing Pusa. Namo Ami Tofo. Namo Ami Tofo. Namo Ami Tofo. Namo Milofo. Namo Milofo. Namo Milofo. Namo Pusse Pusa. Namo Pusse Pusa. Namo Pusse Pusa. Namo Tisawa Pusa. Namo Tisawa Pusa. Namo Tisawa Pusa. Namo for Pusa. Namo for Pusa. Namo for Pusa. Arahang Sama Sambuto Bagawa Buddhang Bagawantang Abiwati Me Wakato Bagawata Damo Daman Namasami Supati Pagno Bagawato Sawakasango Sanghang Namami Namotasu Bagawato Arahato Sama Sambutasa Namotasu Bagawato Arahato Sama Sambuddhasa Namo Atasa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambuddhasa Buddhang Saranang Gachami Dhammang Saranang Gachami Sanghang Saranang Gachami Dutiyampi buddhang saranang gajami. Dutiyampi dhammang saranang gajami. Dutiyampi sanghang saranang gajami. Dutiyampi buddhang saranang gajami. Dutiyampi dhammang saranang gajami. 
Swakato Bhagavata Dhammo Sandhitiko Akaliko Ehipaseko Opanaiko Pashyatam Veditapo Venohiti Stupatipano Bhagavato Sawakasango Ujjupatipano Bhagavato Sawakasango Nyayapatipano Bhagavato Sawakasango Samichipatipano Bhagavato Sawakasango Yadidang Chattari Purisayokani Atta Purisa Pugala Esa Bhagavato Sawakasango Ahuneyo Ahuneyo Dakkineyo Anjali Karaneyo Anotaram Punyaketa Tokasati Sadhu 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 Okay, now we'll continue from where we stopped. Turn to page 18, the last paragraph of this book. What is the difference between awareness and consciousness? So this is a book based on the Dhamma talk that I delivered in the year 2019 during the Thursday class. So now it has been transcribed into a book and is available for free distribution. So we are at page 18. Okay. Subsection Importance of Developing this Apamada or Hippness. So, as always emphasized by the Buddha, yeah? developing heedfulness is very important because this one, the teaching, they are being uh, developed in such a manner that under the Dhammapada verses, there is this Apamada Vaga, uh, where they call it the Dhammapada verses on the section heedfulness or apamada. So it's verse 21 onward. And the first three verses, verse 21, 22, 23 are very important. That's why under the talk, I just go direct into the essence. I said that's the reason why when the Buddha taught sati or mindfulness, he emphasized only on heedfulness. Because without heedfulness, you cannot deal with life. You are unable to understand life. To understand life, you must be heedful. And to be heedful, there are two parts. Dhammapada verse 23 said, The constantly meditative, ever mindful, and steadfast one, bracket, meaning, if one keeps to these two practices or cultivation. One will realize the supreme born free enlightenment, Nibbana, which means 
you are assured of enlightenment in the here and the now. Then also, as the saying goes, the heedful never die. The Buddha always mentioned that. Whereas the heedless are as if dead. This is based on Dhammapada verse 21. And it also expressed the same meaning. Then he said, Heedfulness is the path to the deathless. It means the moment you have developed heedfulness, you will have the eternal life. You will never die ignorant. Hence, no more rebirth due to ignorance or avijja. Implies you will eventually realize arahanship, the fourth stage of sainthood and beyond. So this part, ever mindful and constantly meditating, in bracket, meaning constantly cultivating noble eightfold path as taught by the Buddha, is what heedfulness is. When we combine these two, then you are heedful in the midst of life. You must be heedful, not only when you are in the retreat, in form of meditation, but also while in the midst of life. Not only your daily life, not only your daily mindfulness must be very stable, but you must also have clear comprehension as well. That's the reason why it is mentioned in the teaching that your sati sampajana, mindfulness and clear comprehension, must also be very stable. So, when we understand the meaning of heedfulness, then we know there are two parts to it. To be heedful, we need to develop first mindfulness, awareness, sati. Where the first part to be heedful is to be ever mindful. Unless you are mindful, then you stabilize it. You cannot be ever mindful. And this state of mind, ever mindful, constantly meditative, must be with you throughout the day. Not only when you are in a retreat, in a form of meditation, but while you are going through your daily life, in the midst of life based your daily mindfulness, must also be very stable. You must also have this ability to be ever mindful, constantly meditative. That's why the training of the mind to develop wisdom always start with training the mind to be aware, to be mindful, then stabilizing it to be ever mindful. And from there, use it to meditate. And what is the meditation as taught by the Buddha? If you look at the Four Noble Truths, which are the essence of the Buddha's teaching, the first Noble Truth defined clearly to us the realities of life and existence, the eight realities. If you confront them without wisdom, suffering is the result. So this is definitely a proclamation of the Noble Truth of Dukkha. It has nothing to do with meditation yet. Then the second Noble Truth talk about the cause of arising of suffering. 
The Buddha said, whatever suffering that arise when you confront the first noble truth reality, the cause behind is always craving, born of sakayadity or self-delusion or ignorance. So again, this is not meditation. This is just a proclamation of a fact, the cause behind the arising of suffering. And the first two noble truths is for us to develop the clear understanding of life. When you understand what suffering is and the cause behind its arising, at least you can be cautious of life. You can take precaution in life. If this is suffering and this is the cause behind, then you can deal with it. You can manage it better. Then the Buddha didn't end there. He go on to proclaim the third noble truth. And all these noble truths are true that can make you noble ones or enlightened ones when you understand them, when you awaken to them. So the third noble truth is the noble truth of cessation of dukkha. Means suffering need not be, the Buddha said. Suffering can come to an end. Cessation of suffering is possible. Again, this is not the meditation. This is just a proclamation of a fact that you need not go through suffering. Suffering need not be when you have developed the understanding, the awakening, the wisdom, then all suffering can end. The cessation of dukkha is possible. Then when we come to the fourth noble truth, if you read the proclamation clearly, then you realize this is the meditation because the Buddha in the fourth noble truth he proclaimed. He said, there is this noble in four parts. If you cultivate them, it will lead to the end of all suffering. So what is the purpose of the Buddhist meditative training or meditation? It's to develop wisdom to be free from all suffering, isn't it? That's why this Noble Eightfold Path is the meditation as taught by the Buddha. And within this Noble Eightfold Path, all his teaching, they arise from there. Each and every of these Noble Eightfold Path factors, they are very noble in their constituent. So if you want to proclaim to be an enlightened being, you must at least have the embodiments of all these eight path factors before you can become a noble one. You must have all these noble qualities of the what they call noble evil path. And so means an enlightened being will definitely develop the enlightenment that transform them until they have the embodiments of these noble effort path qualities within them. Because they must have right view with regards to all the spiritual laws that governs life and existence, especially the law of karma, karma niyama, law of mind, chitta niyama, and law of truth, dhamma niyama. Then they were 
have these noble qualities of right thought. They always arise right thought, no more deluded wrong thought, heedless thinking. There has the irreducible greed, hatred, and delusion. Their thought will be pure, wholesome, free of the irreducible greed, hatred, and delusion. Means these are virtuous thought, full of virtue, full of kindness, goodness, full of understanding. Then it will condition from right thought, because right view condition, right thought, right thought will condition, right speech, right action, and the way you live your life, everything will fall into place. That's why right livelihood or right living, all this will follow. Then they will also have the embodiment of the four right effort to constantly transform, refine upon what they have developed and perfect them all. Means the four right effort to help them avoid all evil, do good, and develop wholesomeness. Okay. Then after that, they will have the embodiment of samasati, continuous mindfulness. Means the quality of mindfulness leading to the ability to be ever mindful in the midst of life. Then from there, when mindfulness stabilizes, it becomes samadhi. Okay. Samasamadhi. So samasati and samasamadhi will enable the cultivator of the way to see things as they are, to insight into phenomena, to awaken. And this is what awareness-based meditation is all about. It has nothing to do with thought. That's why the final transformation which is the third turning wisdom, Bhavana Bhavana Mayapanya, is always about sati or mindfulness. That's why our title of this book is You Must Understand Clearly the Difference Between Sati or Mindfulness and Consciousness. To be mindful is not the same as to be conscious. You can be conscious of life, conscious of what you see, what you hear, what you smell, what you taste, what you think, how you feel and think. But you may not be mindful within. The mindfulness is the awareness nature within that is aware. Aware of everything that arises within the form of mind. That is the thing. And the awareness is just aware before the knowing, before the arising of thought, before the arising of the aggregate of mind. It's the pure awareness, the pure perception before the arising of the aggregates of mind. So that pure seeing, the pure awareness, like the newborn baby, before any conditioning, any brain activity, they are very cute, very naive, very pure. They see things as they are. They hear things as they are. They smell, taste, everything without memory, without knowledge. That is the way they are, pure. But this process, it happens when they are very young. And that time, their brain, their memory are not developed as yet. So the conditioning 
their views, opinion, belief system all hasn't actually been accumulated as yet. But later on, through all the education, conditioning, teaching, everything, they start to develop all this thought-based knowledge, memory, accumulation of experiences and knowledge. And this is how the individual or from the child, the baby, you grow up and become a sophisticated human being. Then, because you're only familiar with thought, you act according to memory. And thought is response to memory. That's why you use thought a lot. Thought is mainly knowledge-based, thought-based, energy-based. So thought-based meditation or thought-based teaching give rise to knowledge. Then maybe cunningness, cleverness, some form of so-called intelligence, but it's never wisdom. Where thought is limited. It cannot develop the understanding of whatever that is within uh, beyond its peripheral. So thought being limited does not see the totality. It cannot be aware of the total movement. And because of that, it cannot develop wisdom. And when wisdom cannot be developed, then there is no way with the limited knowledge you can actually develop the enlightenment in the here and the now, which the Buddha proclaimed under the salutation of the Dhamma. Well, this Dhamma that he realized is beyond thought, beyond mind. That's why you must go beyond thought. You must develop it through sati, mindfulness, or what we call awareness base. To be mindful is to be aware. Just aware before the perception, before the knowing, before the thought process come in, before the arising of the mundane mind. The pure awareness mind is your true mind, your silent mind, the meditative mind. That one is the silent mind that can develop the understanding of whatever movement that can see things as they are, that can insight into phenomena, that can develop its own understanding so that it is not deluded by the phenomenal of consciousness. So all this is what awareness-based meditation is all about. Okay, we go back to the sharing. Yeah? Okay, the next part is Avijja Sutta. Section 3.3.1.7, Avijja Sutta. So Avijja is ignorant, Sutta on ignorance. And this Avijja Sutta is very important. In the Avijja Sutta, it is clearly stated that this Sati Sambhajana is step five of the 10 steps leading to enlightenment. So the Avijja Sutta has got two cycles. One is the ignorance cycle, how one actually develops the ignorant and heedless living 
to fall under suffering. Then the other one is the 10 step leading towards enlightenment, based the reversal of the Abhija Sutta. When there is no more Abhija, means you will realize enlightenment. So under this 10 step, the fifth step is always Sati Sapajana. So the Buddha mentioned this in the Avijja Sutta. You can go to the website, our website, at broteo.com and check. It is all there. There are 10 steps for you to follow to develop the cultivation so that you can realize enlightenment in the here and the now. And the first three steps, like I always say, all Kayamitas were here. And what are they? What is the first step? Yes, very good. To have noble friends. Or Kayamitas. What are Kayamitas? They are spiritual or Dharma friends. If you are part of our Kayamita, how can you not have Dharma friends? You surely will have a lot. And there are two types of Kayanimitas. One is just ordinary or normal Dhamma friends who walk the power of Dhamma to cultivate and progress along the power of Dhamma. The other one are Dhamma friends who have the Dhamma. And that one is more difficult to come by. As mentioned by Sister Aang just now, these noble friends who have the Dhamma, they can really guide you and teach you. They can show you the way. So this first step to having Dhamma friends is very important. All Kayanamitas will have this attribute. Then the second step also you will have. Why? Because if you have Kayanamita, you will know when there are Dhamma sessions or classes, like our, in our case. We have our Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday weekly classes, right? Then when we have our Dhamma talk in the temple or other places, you will also be notified. Example, in the early days, we have uh, some of this uh, invitation by people from other temples uh, or Buddhist organization. Uh, and sometimes it's also our monthly house dana session. Uh, then we also have our spiritual trips uh, and many other. So having the opportunity, opportune time to constantly listen to the true Dhamma is step two of the Avijja Sutta. And this listening to the true Dhamma is very important. It's a very important step because from this step two, you get to develop step three and four. And what is step three? Should be very easy. Isn't it? After you listen to the true Dhamma, what will happen to you? Uh, then somebody answered that. I said, no, no, no. Your practice, of course, will go on. Yeah? You can carry on separately. But when you listen to the true Dhamma, what do you develop? 
Yes, precisely. First and second turning wisdom, leading to having the faith in the Buddha and his teaching. Because when you had the first and second turning wisdom, you will know this teaching is not what people believe in. This teaching stands up to investigation. That's why it is Ehi Paseko. It can stand up to investigation. And when you realize that it stands up to investigation, your faith in the Buddha and his teaching becomes very, very stable, very different. Then this one will drive you to develop the spiritual faculty of virya, to diligently, sincerely, with understanding, cultivate sati, leading to heedfulness. So all this is how the cultivation will be. Then you are determined to follow the advice of the Buddha. Dhammapada was 183. To avoid all evil, do good, purify your mind. So this first and second turning wisdom, they are very useful. We call it Yoniso Manasikara. First turning wisdom is Sutta Panya, wisdom born of hearing the Sutta, discourse of the Buddha. So if you keep on listening to the true Dhamma, you will continuously straighten your view. That's how you develop Sutta Panya. Then if you are still not so sure of the teaching, what must you do? The Buddha said you must move on to the second turning. You must reflect, contemplate, and inquire into them. Like why did the Buddha say all this? Like the first noble truths, eight reality. You should go through them one by one. Why did the Buddha say birth is suffering? Always sickness and death are also suffering. How can I understand them? Definitely, I need to reply, contemplate, and investigate it to see whether it stands up to investigation or not. And this is second turning wisdom, the Chintamaya Panya. But most of us nowadays tend to associate birth with joy, looking forward to being a Karen parent or to being, becoming a daddy or a mother. Then looking forward to the full moon day. You only think of the good things, but you never think of problematic things arising. And there are complications during the birth process. Not all birth processes are smooth sailing. There can be complications. Sometimes the complication can be true, very traumatic. If the complication is such that the doctor come on and asks you which one you want to say, the mother or the child, I can tell you such a test is not easy to pass. Of course, you can request the doctor to say both, but the doctor will tell you, I will try my best. But you, move it out, But you must decide, otherwise it will be very difficult. Especially so when the birth is an unusual birth. They call it bridge, where the leg come out first, not the head. So when there is a complication, 
they must do something. <clears throat> but nowadays, they can have cesarean birth. They can cut open the womb and take out the baby. But if it's choked inside there for too long, not enough oxygen, and the mother doesn't have enough strength or energy to push, the fetus can die inside. That's why the doctor must act fast and they will do whatever they can. So when there is complication, only do we understand why birth is suffering. Then we can also contemplate and reflect further. The moment there is birth, what follows? Old age, sickness and death, right? So the Buddha is correct. Birth is indeed truly suffering. Birth is not what you think. If you don't have the wisdom to accept the realities of the moon, then suffering will arise because birth, old age, sickness and death, all these are first noble truth, reality, common to all humanity. If you live life long enough, you must confront them. And whether you suffer or you don't suffer depends on your understanding or wisdom. Your Dhamma understanding to understand all this reality. That's why the five daily contemplation that the Buddha has taught us are very important. The Buddha said you must reflect and contemplate every day. That this body of mind is of the nature to grow old, get sick and die, for it has not gone beyond old age, sickness and death. For it goes the way of nature and is therefore non-self, dependent originating, condition arising, not a permanent unchanging entity, and not me. And I must not cling on to it. We are saying, this is me, this is I, and all this can be mine. If I attach and cling to this body, what happens? I will worry about it getting old getting sick and die. And I will suffer because I believe this is me. This is the ego. I read again, sorry. I will suffer because I believe this is me. This is the ego, the personality. But instead, this one is just a vehicle and a tool comically conditioned out for you to come to this existential world. For you to use it. So use it wisely and not be deluded by it. This body is only elements. The four elements has got no known. And it goes away of nature. So how can it be you? And moreover, these elements are always in the state of flux, dependent originating and condition arising, following nature's condition. Similarly, you can see how these five areas of form and mind, the so-called human being, with its life force eliminating you into a human being, is also dependent originating, hence not a permanent unchanging entity. With awareness-based meditation, you will see and understand all this in the meditation. That's how the Buddha's mind free. Remember, the Buddha saw the four signs, and because of that, he left the palace in search for enlightenment. 
to seek answer to the problem of old age, sickness, and death. The fourth sign is a holy man, a samana. That is why he chose to go the spiritual way, to meditate. When he meditated and realized his law of dependent origination, the Paticca Samopada, he realized the form and mind is not a permanent unchanging entity, hence not him. And his problem is gone, and no one. Birth, old age, sickness, and death has nothing to do with him. It pertains to the conditioned world, to the form and mind, the human being. With this wisdom, he went into cessation and realized Nibbana and his true nature within. This is how he freed. So this is the understanding that can unfold. Okay, the next subsection, 3.3.1.8. The three turning wisdom and uniso manasikara. When you listen to the true Dhamma, you will develop a lot of contemplative wisdom. We are constant contemplation, reflection, and investigation. When it stand up to investigation, your faith becomes very strong. In particular, faith in the Buddha and his teaching. And this is step three of the enlightenment cycle of the Avijja Sutta. Listening to the true Dhamma can bring about the first and second turning wisdom. With this first and second turning wisdom cultivated, your understanding will start to stabilize and you can become very confident. Then you can assimilate all this understanding into your nature. That is how Yoniso Manasikra, the initial wisdom born of first and second turning wisdom, means born of Suttamaya Panya and Chintamaya Panya, comes to be. When this wisdom stabilizes, you will have this so-called Yoniso Manasikara or initial wisdom developed in your nature. Then the next time when you fall sick, get old, or about to die, that understanding will surface to let you understand that this form of mind is impermanent, dependent originating, and conditioned arising, hence not a permanent unchanging entity. Hence, not you, non-self, and empty. This understanding straight away will prompt you and allow you to free. Because you understand clearly that this body is not me. It goes the way of nature. This body is only element. You will grow old, get sick and die. So let it be. When conditions are such, things will be such. Just accept that reality and you will be free. And the next subsection is the importance of constantly developing this five daily contemplation that the Buddha taught to all the monks and devotees. That is why the first three of the five daily contemplation that the Buddha said, this body of mind is of the nature to grow old, get sick and die, or has not gone beyond old age, sickness and death is very important. And every day you must reflect and contemplate upon them. Then the fourth contemplation is separation from your loved ones and prized possession. 
of things, including things that you hold on to dearly. So separation will occur where these are all dependent originating entities or phenomena. Dependent on the condition they arise, when the causes and conditions cease to be, they cease to be. That's why they were separate from you one day. Even when you are still around, you may think you own them. But when your breath stop, your identity will be erased. And you still will be separated from them. So separation from loved ones, your prized possession, and things that you hold on to dearly will happen. But this is the reality within the condition world which you can't escape. When it happens, you have the Dhamma, you can accept what happened because all these are dependent originating and condition arising entity within the phenomenal world of consciousness. They are just phenomena arising and passing away following nature's law. Or like what my teacher said, only mighty nature's condition rolling by. No reality. And they have the universal characteristics of impermanent leading to suffering. That is, when you attach and cling onto them, you suffer. Because they are impermanent, hence empty and non-self, not what you think. All this understanding, they will surface. And this wisdom will free your mind. Because this is Yodhisopanaska. This is how you develop clear, penetrative understanding. That every time you see something, this wisdom will prompt you, will surface. And you will understand and be reminded of the teaching. He is just the way he is. The world is the world. When conditions are like that, things will be like that. If you do not stir your mind anymore. Sorry, it will not stir your mind anymore. Even if you say something, oh sorry, even if he says something very abusive, very hurtful and difficult for most people to endure. With this understanding, you can still accept him for what he is and you can still have compassion and love towards him. Means you can come to terms with that reality. See things as they are, accept him for what he is. <laughs> Just like what Jesus said before they crucified him. He said, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. Or forgive him, the person who is supposed to do it. For he knows not what he is doing. Because he is what he is. Deluded people do deluded things. Angry people say angry things. Abusive people say abusive things. They are just the way they are. And if I have this wisdom or this understanding, born of Yoniso Manasakara, I can come to terms with all this reality. I can accept that. Then I am at peace. I can accept them for what they are, then I am at peace. But I still must act. It doesn't mean that I don't act and let him do what he likes. 
if I can apply noble info power of understanding with the right view, then I don't get angry. I don't stir my mind or react to what happened. Then he will not become violent. If you can say, I am sorry if I have caused you any misunderstanding, and really you would like to apologize, the whole scenario will be different, right? Instead, if you try to justify and argue with him, you can get yourself into big trouble. So why not develop the right speech and right action to resolve it amicably via saying, if I have caused you any misunderstanding or harm, I would like to sincerely apologize. I'm sorry. And thank you for your kind understanding. The moment you start to apologize, he will also tone down and say, don't worry, small matter. I'm also involved, and the matter gets resolved amicably. Otherwise, if you hit his ego, he's going to be more and more angry. Your chances are he doesn't have that dumb understanding. You don't expect him to be like an angel ever ready to forgive you. So all these are part and parcel of how one can apply the teachings. The Buddha said, after you have listened to the true Dhamma, you can reflect and contemplate to develop the first and second turning wisdom. Then you put it to test, and if it stands up to investigation, step three of Avijja Sutta, which is faith in the Buddha and his teaching, will be established. Then step four is when you have the initial wisdom developed, Yoniso Manaskara developed. When you have Yoniso Manasikara, do you know what will happen to you? You become less reactive in the midst of life because of this initial wisdom. After that, you will not heedlessly stir or react to sense experience like before. That is how you develop more peace or equanimity. You will have more understanding to be more at peace with whatever that arises within your mind. This is how you can have more and more moments of peace or silence, more and more awareness, leading to more and more space between thought. That is how your daily mindfulness can be stabilized. Without Yoniso Manasikara, the Buddha say, step five, which is Sati Sambhajana, cannot happen. You need to have the spiritual faculties to develop step five. Meditative mind means the mind that has mindfulness and clear comprehension. So, Yoniso Manasikara is a prerequisite step four. Then only you can have more and more peace, more and more space between thought. And then only your city or daily mindfulness can stabilize. And then you can see it clearly. Then you can apply clear comprehension, leading to not only city, but with sampajana. Means you are not only mindful in the midst of life, you have clear comprehension within the city uh, manifestation. Uh, when you have the Sati, daily mindfulness, go and uh, develop. The 
meditative state or daily mindfulness, not only it must be stable, it must also be not deluded. Means you must have clear comprehension so that you do not deviate from the cultivation. Without the four type of clear comprehension, chances you can debate. Chances are you will debate or you may not understand the whole cultivation clear enough. So if you want to know about the four type of clear comprehension, you go and read up from the Hasutta uh, book. I have shared it under many occasions. But here during the sharing, I don't have the time to go into all this. Okay, I will read on. You need to have the spiritual faculties to develop step five meditative mind. Your spiritual faculty must be stability or sati, leading to your ability to be ever mindful, constantly meditating. Then it will give rise to the understanding. Of course, you also need step four, the unisopanaskara. Okay, this initial wisdom. Yonisopanaskara. Wait, I read uh, again further up. I read the whole thing further. Step five, the meditative mind. Huh? Or sati sampajana. And this meditative mind need to, needs to realize the wisdom, the initial wisdom, born of listening to the true Dhamma and the contemplative reflection on the Dhamma. This initial wisdom is Yonisopanaskara. And when this Yonisopanaskara initial wisdom stabilized, step five is established. Yeah. Then step six and seven will follow. Uh, you will know what step six is. Step six is sense restraint. This one becomes automatic. When your initial wisdom develops, your sati sampajana, daily mindfulness, and clear comprehension, if clear comprehension becomes stable, then you can see clearly your departments, your evil roots of greed, hatred, and delusion. You can see them all. Then what constitutes evil, you will also understand. Then you can follow the advice of the Buddha to avoid all evil, do good, and purify the mind. How do you avoid all evil? To keep the precept. How does one keep the precept? We recite by cultivating. I undertake the training rules to abstain from all this evil activity, killing, causing harm to fellow living beings, lying, committing sexual misconduct, etc. Clearly seeing the danger of breaking such precepts, we are contemplating who will kill, who will harm. Only violent people, angry people, deluded people, and selfish people. Means people with all the three evils of greed, hatred, and delusion. You can see your subtle craving, subtle desire, subtle ego, manifesting. We are wanting to be right, wanting to argue. So all this 
you will start to see that in your awareness, in your daily life. That's why it will bring forth the stability of understanding. And that one can actually bring forth the awakening. Then the next subsection is the three evil roots and the meaning of Anusaya, Asava, and Kilesa. Kilesa are normal defilement. Anusaya are negative habitual tendency. That is defilement that has become habitual. This movement from your Anusaya inside can be very latent, always waiting to erupt. Then there is what they call asthma, very strong defilement, which are very latent and very active inside. Have you all heard of all these three values? Kilesa, Anusaya, and asthma. All this come about because during your daily life, you don't have daily mindfulness. You are not heedful. You are heedless. And heedlessness gives rise to all these mental hindrance or what they call negativity of mind state that make your behavior so negative and habitual. This develop into habitual tendency which can be very latent. When it becomes very latent inside, it's like this asthma hidden inside, waiting for condition to arise, to erupt, or to shoot up. Eckhart call it the pain body. Means your emotional negativity. When nobody disturbs you, it is dormant, not active. But when people step on your tail or toe, that pain body is triggered off. That's why we call it the pain body, or in Pali, it's called asthma, very strong defilements. All these are very active and latent, said the Buddha. So without daily mindfulness and the initial wisdom developed, you cannot deal with sense experience, having such defilements within. At every instant of seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, tactile, and thought process. You cannot go or handle where they move so fast. And it's like they all arise simultaneously because it's so habitual and latent. When you come out to live life, you must act. You must see and you must make decisions. And everything moves so fast and you don't have mindfulness. You cannot be at the moment of seeing, hearing, smell, taste, tactile to understand what is going on. You have no time to think. Moreover, thinking will not help you understand too. What you need is wisdom and understanding. That is why this initial wisdom, which is Yonisokmanasikara, they must be there for it to arise spontaneously. It will come out and prompt you to develop the understanding spontaneously, thereby enabling you to act with wisdom following the Dhamma way. You don't need to think. 
that nature inside there, that understanding straight from the heart, it will arise surface. That's why I say, this wisdom you cannot learn. You must develop it. Then the moment you develop it, it is there, always there in your nature. No need to remember. That's why I always tell Kayamita in the early days, I used to tell Yunjan, I said, this Yoniso Manaskara initial wisdom, you have means you have, you don't have means you don't have. You cannot learn them. You, you cannot say, I want to learn to develop this wisdom. Because it's not from learning. It's from direct seeing, awakening, insight. It's born of awareness-based meditation. Of course, there is also the first turning and second turning wisdom. And you must be attentive, mindful, in a creative state to actually listen attentively. Okay, I'll read on. Huh? You no longer act with delusion and ignorance. We are members. You will act with noble effort. You will have the right view to accept the reality of the moment first. Then your mind cannot stir. There is clarity. It is. Then you know what your options are and how to resolve issues or things amicably. You will also know how to give rise to right speech, right thought, right action. And you will live your life in accordance to the right living or right livelihood. But before that, you must constantly train your mind. We are diligently cultivating the four right efforts to abandon the wrong thought, wrong speech, wrong action that has a reason. Then later on, when your initial wisdom stabilizes, you can give rise to the second right effort to prevent them from arising. When you can prevent them from arising, it means you already have sense restraint. And sense restraint is step six of Avijja Sutta. You will come to understand these are wrong thoughts that condition your evils to make you evil, therefore causing you to suffer or be afflicted. Then straight away that wrong thought will subside because of your wisdom born of the initial wisdom or uniso or When you can have sense restraint, it means your precept will be in order by then. You will not make mistake anymore. That's why the Buddha said after this step six, step seven will arise. And what is step seven? It is the three way of right conduct. You will have this ability to act correctly. And this right speech, right action, and right thought will always be with you. That's why these first seven steps of the Abhijja Sutta, they are very powerful. So the next subsection is realizing Sotapanashit, first stage of sinhood, second stage of sinhood, Sakadagami. And step eight, which is the four foundations of mindfulness. The Buddha said, You have finished these first seven steps, you are at least a Sotapa. 
or Sotapanna, if not as Gadadami. Because after step 7 is step 8. Step 8 is the cultivation of the four foundations of mindfulness. Hey, do you know what these four foundations of mindfulness cultivation are all about? It always starts with this. The sentence, uh, there's somebody, I think, uh, developed the understanding, answer. And I said, yes. You read the four foundations of mindfulness. There is this opening verse yeah, before you go into the cultivation. The Buddha always said, after overcoming covetousness and grief, then only you can start to cultivate the four foundations of mindfulness. So without step six and seven cultivated, do you think you can overcome covetousness and grief? You can't even have sense restraint. How can you have the three way of right conduct to overcome covetousness and grief? Then how can you develop the further cultivation. That's why knowing. That's why after that, only you can go into the step eight, which is the cultivation of the four foundations of mindfulness. And after you have the first seven step cultivated, the four foundation of mindfulness cultivation will be very easy. It's like you just breeze through because the following training are already there. You already have the initial wisdom, your your daily mindfulness already established. Then you have sati, sampajana, clear comprehension. All these are so stable already before you go to step eight. That's why all the words of the Buddha mentioned under the four foundations of mindfulness cultivation. At that time, I understand. And I know what those things are. Not according to what most books try to explain to you through their commentaries. Nothing to do with all those thought-based noting, training, and doing. It is the awareness that is aware. In Kaya Nupasana, Vedana Nupasana, Chitta Nupasana, and Dhamma Nupasana. The Buddha always said, mindfulness of the body in the body, internally and externally. Do you know what these are? Internally means within your own kaya, the four portion with all its movement and activity. Sati Sampajana, the daily mindfulness. You can be aware internally. Then you can see all this activity. That's why Kaya Nupasana is to train your mindfulness, to stabilize it, to anchor it to your Kaya. Then after that, when you can be mindful within, you can also be mindful outside or externally. That is why at that time, nobody taught me. I also haven't heard of all this type of Sutta at that time. But somehow, I can see my awareness especially my specific phenomenal awareness. It's always with all phenomena that move. Then I saw one chakwetiao of guy frying rice noodle or kwetiao. And I was so amazed that like I was inside him doing the chakwetiao. 
all his action, movement, are like my mind and awareness is inside him, doing all those activities. Uh, that is mindful, external. Then feeling also same. You can feel and sense people's feeling outside. You can sense their content of consciousness. They have become one. All these are possible because your sensitivity of mindfulness, your wisdom and understanding are there. Then you can also feel nature. The nature's energy means the energy within nature and the great beings nature, cultivators of the way. You can also feel them. You can draw from them. And people who are cultivating, they can also draw from your nature. And you can know they are around. Their nature is everywhere. That is why these great beings nature, they are ever radiating for the cultivators of the way. When you start to cultivate the four foundations of mindfulness, that is step eight of Avijja Sutta. The Buddha said, during step eight, you will start to experience the seven factors of enlightenment. You keep on, they will keep on arising. Means you have done it correctly in accordance with what he has taught you, meaning you are on the right path. Then the final fourth foundation is the next subsection, the Manupasana, mindfulness of Dhamma. When it comes to Dhamma Nupasana, there are five categories of practices. The first category is mindfulness of the five mental hindrances of mind. And this mindfulness of the five mental hindrances you will clear very fast because your daily mindfulness is already established. Then you can understand why the Buddha said there are five ways to overcome unwholesome thought, like the five mental hindrances. The first way is to think of the direct opposite wholesome thought. This is still thought-based. That one you can skip. The second one is to think of the consequence of the consequence and danger of allowing this unwholesome thought to continue within your mind state. Where this is a wrong thought, an unwholesome thought with the evil roots, it will make you evil. You must decide to abandon them. Then the third way is the meditative way, where one just silent one's mind and maintain awareness within. When there is restlessness, sensual desire, sloth and torpor, ill will, and doubt in your mind. No need to do anything. Just silence your mind and be with it. The Buddha gave the analogy of the pool of water. Can you remember? He asked Ananda, his attendant, to collect the water for him. Initially, the first two times, the water was still murky or muddy. Why? Because the bullock cart passed by stir the water, hence it was not fit for drinking. But at night when he went again, the water was clear. He took the water back with joy and the Buddha asked him, what have you learned? <coughs> what had you learned? 
The Buddha later explained to Ananda, when the block card do not go across, and you let it settle out long enough, what will happen? The sediment all will settle down. So clear water can be collected. Your mind is the same. Its original state is stillness, tranquility, and the awareness nature within. Therefore, all this so-called anger, hatred, emotion, sankara activity, feeling, perception, consciousness, etc., they are not intrinsic within your nature. Where they are all dependent, originating mental phenomena. Understand this. Then, in the meditation, the third way, realizing. So, you must meditate to find out. When you see something, why did you get angry? Become emotional, restless, or let your sensual desire arise. Why can't you just silence your mind and stay with it? Then find out what happened. Like anger, or hatred, or fear. The mind will settle down. Yeah, these are dependent originating mind state. It needs condition for it to continue to get angry or become fearful. Or continue to be lustful or agitated. But because you silence your mind and don't do anything, just let the awareness be, then what happens? When the supporting condition, born of wrong thought, wrong view, are no longer there, they will all settle down and cease. Initially, the sankara will start to slow down. The emotion, etc., all will slow down and disperse. Then you will realize the true mind, which is tranquil and still. Again, thereby realizing that the original mind, which is your true mind, is your silent mind the awareness nature within. Then you realize there is peace, there is tranquility, there is stillness, there is no more agitation, no more stress. Then you will come to understand like what the Buddha said in the Sutta. You will come to know how the unarisen sensual desire or you will comes to be. That is through one of your senses. Because before you get angry, there was no anger, is it? Then how did you get angry? When people say something you don't like, or you recall through memory, or see something that makes you unhappy, then your mind stir. That's why it's dependent originating. So it is through one of your senses. That is why you will come to know how the unarisen mental hindrance come to be. Then when you meditate via the third and the fourth way to trace the origination factor and then retrospectively reverse it, you will understand better. Then you will develop the understanding to understand how this arisen mental hindrance cease to be when you don't do anything. Except we are maintaining just an awareness within. So finally, when you get to know how the unarisen, one arisen, 
sorry, Arif, throw it again. Huh? So finally, when you get to know how the unarisen one arises and how the arisen one ceases, it means you know how to free your mind. After you have wisdom and understanding, you can straighten your view. Then you will come to know how in the future, this mental hindrance will never arise again. This is what the Satipatthana Sutta is all about. That is how you should meditate. Not according to what you had read via the commentaries without proper understanding. Meditation must be done with understanding. You just silence your mind and maintain awareness. Then later, through daily mindfulness, you develop mindfulness of the six internal sense bases and six external sense bases. After you have developed the mindfulness of the five mental hindrances, you move on to do the mindfulness of the five grasping aggregate of form and mind. To see all this aggregate of Rupa, Vedana, Sanya, Sankara, Vinyana arising and disappearing very clearly. Then you can be at the moment of feeling, at the moment of perception, at the moment of Sankara activity before it starts to concord and move before it even stir, react, and think. It is like slow motion inside there for you to see. It is like it cannot move because of your stability of mindfulness. Your mindfulness and wisdom are so stable, it can just stay there. I can still remember at the moment of contact, it just stayed there. It didn't move. That's why when they tell you upon contact feeling arise, don't believe, but investigate it. Because only when you release it, means the awareness releases it, then feeling arise. Then the content of consciousness went in. If you lack mindfulness or wisdom at the moment of sense experience, feeling will be conditioned into craving straight away. Feeling cannot be pure feeling. That's why you will come to understand why they ask you to cut a feeling is a fallacy. How can you cut a feeling? Without wisdom, you cannot cut. You cannot free. You cannot stop that movement, that link, from feeling to craving. It's as if it is automatic. That is how I come to realize Without this uniso monasikara and understanding, you cannot act. You totally cannot act. When you have them, this wisdom just come out and prompt you and straight away frees you, liberate your mind. That is how feeling can still become pure feeling and you can laugh at it. You know it cannot move anymore. That is why the whole cultivation, when you understand, is so different. This mindfulness of the five aggregates of form and mind, cultivation, you will also go through. After that, you move on to cultivate the mindfulness of the six internal and six external sense bases. And this is the fourth way to meditate, to overcome unwholesome thoughts. This is how you trace the origination factor. How anger come to be, how fear comes to be, how restless of mind come to be, how sensual desire and ill will and doubt comes to be. 
when you start, sorry, when you stay with them, with pure awareness, it will cease to be. Then you start to understand the Dhamma. You start to understand how this form in mind is like the physics experiment analogy. How upon contact it triggers our consciousness via nature's law. Then the input of the content of consciousness determines your karma via mental intention input. All this, you will see them. You will start to see them. Then you start to understand. When you understand all this, the next mindfulness training within the Dhammanupasana category of cultivation is cultivation of mindfulness of the seven factors of enlightenment. And this is step nine of Abhijasutta. When you cultivate this, the seven factors of enlightenment keep on arising. Because by then, you would have finished cultivating Kaya Nupasana, Vedana Nupasana, Chitta Nupasana, then now Dhamma Nupasana. You have come almost the full way. The last one you haven't done is mindfulness of the three turnings of the Four Noble Truth. But this, but before this three turning of the Four Noble Truth cultivation, you must have reflected and contemplated while constantly listening to the true Dhamma. That implies you have done part of the mindfulness of the three turnings of the Four Noble Truth already. Then when you cultivate the Four Foundation of Mindfulness, it is all about direct seeing with the silent mind. We are Bhavana Maya Panya. That one is very penetrating. That one will lead to awakening. That is the reason why by the time you move on to Dhammadu Pasana, you would have understood all those words and instructions of the Buddha. Then the seven factors of enlightenment keep on arising. Sati, Dhamma, Virya, Piti, Pasati, Samadhi, and Upeka. All these will arise. Then you know you are on the right path. You know you are destined for enlightenment. That's why step 10 of the Avijasutta is enlightenment in the here and now. So this Avijasutta have all the needed cultivation component, the 10 steps very clearly highlighted. Do you know what is Avijja? Avijja is ignorance. So the Buddha purposely spoke this Sutta, the Sutta on the ignorance. He started off with the ignorance cycle, explaining how you fall initially, then how you can develop the enlightenment cycle by reversing it. That's why you must go through all these practices and cultivation. The Buddha said, Kayamita shape is 100% of your holy life. This is what he told Ananda. At first, Ananda told him, it's only 50% of the holy life. But he said to Ananda, no, Kayamita shape is 100% of your holy life. Because without Kayamita, I do realize, you cannot find this way. All the great beings are your great Kayamitas, especially the Buddhas and the Bodhisattvas. Without them, you cannot find this way. Without the Samasambuddha and the Sasana, it is not easy, unless you are a Bodhisattva with the vows. Otherwise, when the Sasana window is no more, you cannot find the way. Only very few, which they call Pachika Buddha, 
can find a way. And these Pacheka Buddhas also must have cultivated before. Otherwise, they cannot become Pacheka Buddhas. They become Pacheka Buddha during non-sasana time. So these are the understanding. Okay, I think we stop here. What page is it? Uh, six. I will mark this page. Uh, we will stop here. We are already 425. Huh? So we still need our 45 minutes of awareness-based meditation. Huh? 45 minutes of awareness-based meditation. Just remember the four support, especially the first three. Relax, maintain awareness, then stabilize the awareness within. Then the last one is trust. Eh? Trust your nature. May stay with your awareness nature at the heart area. Then just let it move. Let it develop the movement and activity. Okay. You know, can slowly, mindful, come out of meditation. Try to maintain whatever inner peace, inner calmness, and inner awareness that you have developed for as long as you can. <clears throat> okay, now we will open up for second session, which is meditation reporting, followed by whatever question that you may have. Huh? Hello, I'm Yes. Lucio and Okayamita. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Sister Ingi, for the nomination. Yeah. Um, today, uh, Bratio talked so much about uh, so many things, Bratio, about yeah. the <laughs> teaching of the Buddha. Yeah. Um, but, uh, okay, I uh, just want to say something about this uh, based on my personal experience. Uh, in my own cultivation. Ah, good. Uh, that would be good. Yeah. So um uh let me recall what the other few papers just a minute. Uh yeah, today topic is about hispunas, mm. uh Sutta. Yes. Uh and the cultivation Vijasutta. Yes. And then um the five daily contemplation. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh so Actually, when I first started Baratio, um, I uh, I always tell Baratio I uh, do my meditation right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So that Anapanasati I learned uh, from uh from this Buddhist fellowship in mm. Singapore. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, that that kind of helped me to kickstart my meditation. Mm, yeah. Um, and then uh from there. Uh, I attended Baratio's uh, retreat yeah. and then uh, learning the Heart Sutra book, which is a very important book for me as yeah. a reference because all the essential uh, Buddha's teachings inside, yes. you know, uh, which include the Shishunas, the Dhammapada verse 21 to 23. Actually, that Dhammapada verse 21 23, actually, you don't quite understand it until you your cultivation, you know, but yeah, yeah. this hitfulness, um, yes. uh, it's not a simple thing without sati, right? You know, sati, you need to have the mindfulness to develop into hitfulness, that part of it. Yeah. So, uh, if you have not started your cultivation of sati, it's not easy to understand uh, yeah, that yeah, yeah. Uh, statement, the Dhammapada verse 23, right. especially. Right. 
you know, until you go into it and do your daily mindfulness, yeah, you know, then only you can first. fully understand, yeah. comprehend the deep meaning of it. Uh, but yeah. that, that is what I understand true, you know, true. Yeah. from that statement itself. Uh, it's a yeah, very, yeah, chin, yeah. very deep deep meaning, you know, that mm. comes up by the word 23. Uh. Mm. Uh, then after that, uh, I like to talk about the Avija Sutta. Okay, talking about this Avija Sutta, right, in yeah. my initial training, right, well, this one, uh, this sutta is very, very important to me. Yeah, yeah. I refer, very, very I refer to it almost like a uh, daily kind of thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, because I want to remind myself uh, how important is this cultivation of the Abhijah Sutta. You know, step one to, I mean, I won't take up to step ten, but at least the four to five steps is so important. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. So it's very systematic. Always... Uh, it makes it very systematic for cultivating yes, yes, to check yes. where you are. Yes. On the yes, yes. yes, correct. Because I, I'm also a very structured person, about you know, because when I learn, I need to see something. Ah, what am I doing? I need good. to have yeah. a compass, you know, a compass yeah. direction. Like, if I yeah. need to achieve a certain goal, right? Or even though I don't see the result or the goal yet, you know, but I yeah. need to know the path and how to make goals about it. Yeah, the big picture. Yes, I, I need the overall picture and then step by step, I need to see yes. the milestone, like number one, what do yeah. I need to do? That, number two, what I need to do. Otherwise, I also won't start on. Yeah, yes, I, I'll get yeah. like uh, lost. La. If I don't have a yeah. compass, yeah. I'll get lost, you know, in my yeah, yeah. cultivation. La. So, so this Avija Sutta, I, I find it. Uh, very important to me, la, you, yeah, huh? yeah, yeah. you know, because there are so many things to learn from the Buddha's teaching, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. but if I don't have a goal, a milestone, uh, like mm. going from one place to another, huh, I also need to have a GPS or a roadmap how to go there, you know, right. although yeah. I may have many, many different routes to go, huh? yeah. I, 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 I mean, as a human being, we like the shortest uh, route, huh, you know, yeah, so this yeah, Avita yeah. Sutta is like the shortest route I can yeah, see yeah. A, a, a map for me, you know, to mm. cultivate how do I go about it. Then, of yeah. course, uh, Bratio also teach a lot of things uh, in between, uh, how to, the final points or how to cultivate, you know, how to go about doing example, like yeah. how to develop the mindfulness, you know, yeah, yeah. how do you know you have mindfulness, you know, how mm. do you know you're aware, you know, the kind of thing. So, right. uh, this, this one, this final points, uh, pointers are very important. Uh, you know, that you understand what you are doing in the name of meditation, like mm. you always say. Okay. Yes. So this is super important. Uh, huh? yeah, super so in cultivation, important. you know what you are doing, what kind of meditation you are doing, you know, mm. not do blindly and then you will get lost again, you know. Yeah, Although yeah, you yeah. may have a, 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 a map, uh, so-called map to your to your uh, so-called final goal, but if right. you do it wrongly, uh, you'll be in circles, uh, going around in circles. Yeah, yeah. That. Uh, step line, that step, especially step number uh, what, three and four, you know, yeah, you can yeah. go in circle, go in circle, go in circle. So, <laughs> if you want to step out of the circle, you need to know what is uh, mindfulness, you know, sati, yeah. and how to develop it. Like Bharati always mentioned, uh, sati yeah. is just aware, you know, without yeah. thought and do nothing, uh, without any, uh, how you call that, uh, uh, without the trying to understand, to do, or to to do or to think, okay? Yeah, you do yeah. nothing. So no need, that no need to yeah, know, no need to, need to do, do, no need to know that two uh, steps no is so important do. in my initial yeah, uh, cultivation. Uh, yeah. So that a... one is it, really uh important pointers uh, yeah, in my yeah. meditation 
uh, development, I know. <clears throat> okay, so that is uh, for the step uh, three and four. So that two steps are very important to me. Then, uh, in addition to that, right, the other thing that Brazil always emphasizes is the Sati Sampajana. How yeah. to have clear comprehension, you know, yes, of yes, the, yes. Your, your number one is the sincerity of purpose, your domain of meditation. Yeah. You can sincerity, do your walking, uh, purpose, your sitting, yes. your lying yeah. down. In yeah. whatever action that you do, you have to be aware that you are doing that. You are not lost in thought, thinking yeah. of the future and the past. So this one, uh, thinking of the future and the past, uh, when we are not mindful or heedless, uh, this is always what we are doing. Yeah, right? it will thinking happen very past, fast. Thinking yeah. of the future. Okay. Never at the present, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that part is also very important, you know. If not, yeah, uh, you'll be sidetracked, you'll be lost again, or you're going in circle and circle again, you know. So you think that you are doing, uh, <laughs> uh, my, yeah, you think you have sati, but actually you don't have sati, you're lost yeah, yeah. thinking of the future, thinking of the past. So you always have to bring back uh, yourself, uh, your, your, yourself to the present moment that you're doing this. You know, you must enjoy what you're doing, like in other words, right? You know, right, you're cooking, right. you enjoy you're cooking, you're walking, you enjoy your walking, you're sitting, you enjoy your sitting, you know, that kind of thing. So you always at the present moment. So yeah, that yeah, is yeah. my cultivation to develop the the sati sampajana. Okay. Like yeah, yeah. okay. So that is very helpful to me, lah. Huh? Mm -hmm. Okay, then uh yeah. So uh, these are the pointers that brother always said, you know. So when gratitude only say once, right, doesn't mean that after a class, uh, we forget about it, you know, but we yeah, actually yeah. really need uh, to keep doing it, doing yeah, like 24 Until it becomes a part of you. Become a part of you, yeah. Then it becomes something stable within you. Uh. That's yeah, why yeah. Dhamma need understanding. Uh. So you look at the teaching, like what you mentioned, you need to have a, like a roadmap to show you how to develop it. So if you look at the whole teaching, uh, because you bring up a point which is very good, the whole teaching is like the teachings, the essential Dhamma are everywhere. But the problem with cultivator of the Buddhist community is they cannot develop the clear understanding to link them all together. In fact, the whole teaching is so beautifully connected and linked. So if you look at all the specific teaching, why did the Buddha start off with sati, mindfulness, leading to heedfulness? Then the advice of the Buddha, they come from the right view. Then when I talk about meditation, we have the Noble Eightfold Path, heedfulness leading to that one. That one is fundamental. But then when it comes to actual cultivation, we also have the Noble Eightfold Path, understand? Then we also have the Abhija Sutta. Then we also have all the essential Dhamma in between to link them and connect them to support the practices, especially the five mental hindrance, the five spiritual faculty, the five daily contemplation, the three evil roots, and also the factors of enlightenment and all those things. So without clear understanding of all this, you cannot link the Dhamma. You, you cannot actually connect them. So a lot of people, I remember in the early days, you read through that uh, Heart Sutta book. There was one section, I remember, Sister Chui last time always 
asked about uh, Satipatthana Sutta. Uh, why always start with at least an anagami if there is still a little bit of what they call uh, self-conceit or mana present? Otherwise, you will realize arahanship. So that's why a lot of people don't understand because the Avijja Sutta was not there. But at that time, I already explained because the statement, after overcoming covetousness and grief, that time I already knew to overcome covetousness and grief, you must at least be a Sotapan or a Sakadagami. That's why that time I already knew. But later on, when I, I suddenly uh, came upon the Avijja Sutta when I was asked to put up the website. Very funny, you know. When that year, I think 2016 or 17, the beginning of 17, the website came up. But when I was doing that thing, I think it was end of 2016, suddenly, uh, that Avicca Sutta from nowhere, it just popped out uh, in the internet there. Then I was curious. I said, how come got such Sutta? I never come across before, I never heard before. Then I click on the link. No? Then I saw the explanation. Uh. Actually, the commentary was very confusing, very confusing. But the moment I read, uh, I knew what the Avijja Sutta was. No? That's why I was able to summarize for you or put up the two cycles, the ignorance cycle and the enlightenment cycle. You don't believe me, you go and Google the Avijja Sutta. You find it very difficult to understand. And there are so many versions. Though. But then I read through them, uh, the various versions. Then I came to know all the versions, uh, they failed to understand what the Buddha meant until I summarize it. Uh, when I summarize it, actually I modify a lot of their words that are not accurate or appropriate. And then I put it into our website. Yeah. So this website is already a cleanup summary for people to develop the understanding. That's why I already knew at that time, uh, before even I started come out to teach, that Kayamitashiv is very important. Because maybe from my past or whatever, then that, that thing, Kayamita, she was strike me or no when I was in the early day of the cultivation. That's why before I came out, I want to name my uh, those who came and learned under me. We are a family of Kayamitas, means Dhamma friends. Yeah. Then from there, I don't need to set out any uh, Buddhist society or name or whatever. So it was there when I saw, then I realized, wow, it's so clearly explained why the Satipatthana Sutta is put there as step 8. If you have not cultivated step 6 and 7, you cannot cultivate step 8. And 6 and 7 need 4 and 5. Step 4 is what we call Yoniso Manasikara. Then step 5 is Sati Sampajana. So these two steps, like just now Pojang explained, is very true. It's not easy to understand sati, not easy to understand heedfulness. You have to do it until the sati comes. 
That's why I always say you just do. Don't try to know. Don't try to speculate or what. Do, do, do until the sati come. Then you will understand what sati is. And then when you listen attentively to my definition, sati is mindfulness or awareness before the knowing. And then the meaning becomes clear. Then you need the unique code to strengthen the understanding of what that true mind is, the silent mind is. And to know that we have two minds also is not really clearly spelled out or taught in the teaching. They have words they mention, but nobody seems to be able to actually uh, teach it or develop the understanding of it. Especially that true mind, the silent mind, the awareness nature. Hardly anybody understands. Yeah. They only have some words, but they, they cannot be specific about what that thing is. So coming back to what Sister Bojang has actually brought up as a condition, the roadmap thing is very important. There are many pointers, essential dhamma and roadmap for us to actually develop the cultivation. We can start with heedfulness, like what the Buddha said, Dhammapada was 21, 22, 23. Then from there, you develop the cultivation of the Noble Eightfold Power. And Noble Eightfold Power itself is a big field of cultivation. And from there, the Four Noble Truths, which is the summary, the essential teaching of the Buddha, from there, all the other teachings spin up. Then in between, he teaches the Abhijja Sutta. All this is to help you understand they are actually the same teaching, but put in various, uh, like the Lotus Sutta mentioned, these are expedient devices, the initial teaching, or what we call skillful means to bring about understanding. But the problem with cultivator of the way is, especially the Buddhist community, they go and take all these essential Dhamma as individual teachings. And they try to specifically teach here and there, and they don't know how to link them. The ability to link is the skill, is the understanding. When you can link them all together, means you have the understanding. They never contradict each other. You realize the Dhammapada verses and the essential Dhamma, all the teaching, they never contradict each other. That's the wisdom of the Buddha, the uniqueness of the Buddhist teaching. And it's so beautiful. You can approach it from anywhere, but finally it will connect you back to the whole teaching. And the awakening is always the same. In fact, just now before we start the class, Chui wanted to ask me this question quite a while ago. He said, but you always talk about the possibility of the collapse of the mundane mind. Uh, and he wants to know the process and how uh, uh, all this can happen. So I say it's in the transcript book. Uh, I mentioned about it in many places. The latest one was the last two Thursday class uh, where I mentioned that thing, the collapse of the Monday mind. But there is also one part, uh, the last Thursday, how cessation of form and mind can happen and the process of the enlightenment process means the path to Nibbana, the realization of that cessation 
And how from that realization, if it's not time for Parinibbana yet, then how the form of mind can come out. Uh, and the coming out, that one, uh, this latest Thursday class on which I think Xinhao is trying to get Kalimita to do the transcript is very useful. That one will be added as an appendix to the transcript book or the uh, earlier, uh, the last two Thursday class transcript. Because the last one, the latest Thursday one, which is only two days ago, that one I explained very clearly about the whole Nibbani realization, that means cessation of form and mind, how it can happen, how the pure awareness also gone, uh, the four circle thing, then how you return to the nature, the source, or what we call the Buddha nature, or whatever. There is a name that people try to name, but unless that form and mind go through and realize that cessation, you will never understand what that thing is because when it's inside the cessation, you cannot describe, you cannot talk about it because there is no word, nothing there. Even the pure awareness also gone. Yeah. That thing just sits inside there. Yeah. Then, if it's not time for the being to like uh, pass through uh, the this Parinibbana, means no more coming back, uh, I saw your hand sign there. Then that form and mind will come out again. But the process is very beautiful. I actually describe it. That's why that transcript will be very useful. Uh, we go to Chui first. Chui, you got anything? Yeah. Hi, Brother Theo. Thanks so much for bringing out this thing about the collapse yeah. of the... Monday mind. Yeah. Mind. Actually, when I asked that question, I actually wanted a revision, a very clear explanation because I think I went into cessation for a very, very short while. And it happened <laughs> yeah. twice. Yeah, that so that cessation is different from the collapse of the Monday mind. That yeah, cessation but... is a momentary cessation or that cessation can be quite a while. But... Even at Arahan level, when they come out of that cessation, we are not supposed to parinibbana yet. The Monday mind is still there, understand? The Monday mind is the gross consciousness of our thinking mind, or we call it uh, uh, dependent originating condition arising mind. Where we, as a human being, we have our six senses, then external sense data then we have the consciousness trapped inside. So all these, they are like causes and conditions for us to animate into a human being. So that one will trigger off the contact, which will trigger off the respective consciousness. That's why we can become conscious of what we see, what we hear, what we smell, what we taste, what we tactile, feel and think. Then at the moment of consciousness, how the memory, the brain, the normal human being, they have their habitual tendency, their belief system, their conditioning, their fear, their phobia, whatever accumulate the memory, they will stir their mind and they will input the content that trigger of the coming process. That's why all this will happen. And this creates Sankrasanya, the thinking, the mechanism of what they call the thought process, 
that's how creation come about. So from the pure awareness, the true mind, from zero, the source, come one, the pure awareness. Then the pure awareness create the thought, the fine aggregate of form and mind. Then the fine aggregate of form and mind, true thought, project into the phenomenal world of consciousness, like a film show. That's how from zero come one, one come infinity. Everything arises. And the Buddha knew, that's why in the Dhammapada verse 1 and 2, he said, our mind is a forerunner of all things. Mind is cheap. That is your true mind, your pure mind. Then from there, he said, everything arises from the mind. Now, that is the Monday mind. The Monday mind, when they arise, yeah, the Buddha under Dhammapada verse 1 and 2, he said, this mind is the forerunner of all things. This mind is chief. When mind arise, all things arise. So if we were to act, speak, and think with a heedless mind that has the evil roots of the greed, hatred, and delusion, that suffering will follow you. Uh, just like the wheel uh, that follow the hoof of the car. So all these are very clear. So this mundane mind, normal cultivator of the way, even up to Arahan, or even the initial stage of Bodhisattva cultivation, it cannot collapse on. It can go into cessation. The mundane mind realizes itself and cease. Understand? Huh? But the collapse of the mundane mind that you ask, Chui, eh, that I ask you to read is different. That one, those who go the Bodhisattva way, after they can detect the gateway, then from there, the yin and yang energy external they will map inside and become pure energy. Once it becomes pure energy, it will go through the gateway like some of our Kayamita also managed to do it already. Then what happens is that process inside there take a while. Take a while. For me, I remember it took me nine months. Nine months. Uh, but I considered very fast already. It took me nine months to develop all the understanding, the wisdom and the transformation. Then my whole brain become transformed. My whole brain, I saw what happened here during that nine months. Oh, a lot of things happened. Oh. Then that vibration inside me becomes so different, no? so pure, no? so full of wisdom, energy, you know, the understanding becomes so. Then uh, that one uh, starts to actually trigger of the transformation of the brain. No? It starts to develop the non-grasping, the wisdom, the understanding. Then it like cannot hold on to think one. Or. Even you try to know, try to do anything, suffering is there one. See very clearly one. Oh. Then after that, uh, I remember the brain there, out there, a lot of transformation. Oh. Then there is something like moving from the forehead here, slowly down to my uh, the, the, the front part here, I don't know what you call this. Yeah? this. This part, the video can see. Yeah? Yeah? The video Cranium. is... Cranium. Uh, see, yeah? No, no, my, my brain here, the forehead here. Yeah. Uh, there is something there moving or no? Inside there. No? I remember that one took a while, no? a few weeks. Or... Then during that time, my whole head uh, like I, I cannot go and do normal thing one. Or if 
Well, that time I came out to the consultant to test myself. I cannot read, no. When I read, I know if I try to read, the nature tells me, you want to suffer, you go and read. Because the moment of actually knowing is suffering, no? that very fine suffering. No? The moment of thinking also suffering, no? because you have the wisdom. Think also, I don't think also like that. Then you cannot think, or no? There is not grasping, or no? The, the whole thing becomes very funny, or no? Then after a while, it's like the whole head there, jam. No? Uh, I won't use the word jam. It's, it's like you, 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 you cannot become like a normal human being to go and learn things and all this. Because a lot of things you don't want to do already, right? Because of that very fine suffering. Then later on, uh, I realized there is a movement uh, from here, slowly, 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 it happened inside there. Then suddenly one day, uh, something dropped off. Uh, the whole thing uh, dropped off. Then I felt clear now, uh, the whole thing clear. Then like a layer of consciousness, uh, my Monday Maya, the whole layer of consciousness, uh, like completely disappeared. Then I suddenly, the nature shine for that. I realized, how come like that? Like there is no more mind inside there. No? Because later on, after a while, then only I realized that Mindfulness and wisdom energy is so fine until the mundane mind is too gross to withstand that vibration. That's why that transformation at the brain there, then that thing collapses. That's how I came to know the mundane mind can collapse. That's why when I was in Suratani Achan Buddha Dasa there, not Buddha Gosa the Suratani on the uh, Achan Buddha Dasa. He is very good. Uh, I believe he went through something similar, but he gave a different analogy. He told the disciple at that time, when I was there, I was listening to the Dhamma talk. At that time was before 89, I, read, uh, I think 86 or 87. Then I remember he got a statue of the Kuan Yin, Avalas, uh, Avalas uh, Kuan Yin, eh? this Avalas He got the, there is a, like a cloth, eh? you call it wheel, V-E-I-L. Eh? He said, when you become enlightened, he said, later on, he said, it's like the wheel drop off. The moment that wheel drop over, he said, yeah, you understand everything. He called it the wheel of ignorance. I believe it's an analogy for the Monday mind. But later on, I asked the disciple, the disciple say they never heard Achan describe anything to them. He said, it, maybe it's just an analogy. That means they are not ready to understand him. That's why it was not mentioned. But so far, he is the only monk that I heard mention something about something drop off. Yeah. And the rest I haven't until today. That's why the collapse of the Monday mind, only Bodhisattva who go that way that actually detect that gateway to the nature can through the cultivation develop it until it collapses. Uh, when that one collapses, uh, the Mayana call it one of the Nibbana without residue. 
means there is no more that mundane mind to create the outflow of thought. Understand not? The outflow of thought. No more really. Uh, and they describe it in a manner which I think very few cultivators of the way understand. Uh, so there is the understanding behind. That's why they say the sainthood way even up to Arahan, yeah, the Nibbana that they realize under the Mayana teaching, uh, please don't create controversial out of it. Uh, they say that one is still got outflow. But they also come to accept that uh, Chui Vena, they also come to accept that the Arahan, no more birth and death. Cessation of the segmented birth and death, no more. But they say when they are still the Arahan, there is this outflow, outflow of thought. Now that is the Monday mind. The outflow of thought, they cannot stop because the Monday mind has not collapsed. Because they don't go to the nature. They don't go to the Bodhisattva way. That's why their cultivation is different. And they call that the... Uh, they, they have a few words, uh, which is quite controversial, I think. Uh, they call it uh, various type of wisdom, uh, superficial wisdom and uh, ultimate wisdom or what they call prajna para perfection or uh, perfection or uh, that, that, that supreme final ultimate wisdom. Uh, or profound wisdom, sorry, they use the word profound wisdom, and the other one is superficial wisdom to describe the Arahan stage, which is the same way. And actually, you cannot blame them for saying that, because the whole cultivation is so different. That's why the ultimate perfection of wisdom, the Bodhisattva way one, is so perfect and so thorough, whereas the normal same way up to Arahan shape is actually way, way, way behind. You cannot compare at all because the sainthood way is totally a different cultivation. And the sainthood way, like I used to uh, share in the early days, during this sasana is relatively easy to realize. Uh, relatively easy to realize. You only need to do the first three support of the for support of the awareness-based meditation. Okay, so now I go back to Chui. Chui, you got anything to add? Yeah. Thank you so much, Brother Tio. That's exactly what I wanted to know because I'm I'm still a kindergarten person, <laughs> so to speak, you know. But, good, good, good. but yeah. having said that, um, yeah. with the practice and going back into the awareness and all that. And yeah, then, yeah. Then understanding what like what the coaching said about that, you know, knowing, understanding uh, the Abhija Sutta and Sutta all is very important. It's huh? so important. But yeah, I what I'm trying to say is that even that little understanding made me want to go the, the Bodhisattva way. Yeah, because yeah. many, many years ago when you first started it, Mifung and I was in your group. And yeah, I yeah, yeah. Discussing this, you know, and and she said, you know, I didn't take it. I said, yeah. When they came and and they, they started doing this chanting about taking the sutta, I was silent because <laughs> yeah. I didn't take it. 
it's the right thing for me. But now, understanding even this little one, few little bits of so-called gross cessation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's already very, that, yeah, uh, very different. It will transform it, you and yeah. make you understand differently. Yeah. So when, by the time I went to your retreat, or uh, the Cameron's, the recent one, yeah, and then yeah. you did that thing again, yeah. straight away, I yeah. said, no, without I hesitation, yeah, you just go in. And uh. and just to tell you what you have taught has already seen a lot of fruition. So I just ah, good, very good, very good. And and then uh. another thing. Yes, I, not only you, Jui, a lot of Kavita told me after they take the Bodhisattva way, uh, the, the follow the yellow color. They transform very far. They understand very far. And a lot of things just happen to them. And, and, and I realized that the, the distance between the Arahat way and the Bodhisattva way could be eons apart. Yeah, eons apart. Yes, eons correct. apart. So, yes. so, well, that means, what the heck, if it's one, three and a half eons and what's the yeah. difference? There's not yeah. much difference relative in, in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you understand, okay. actually, all this is the mundane mind creating an issue out of it, that it takes so long. There is no such thing. Man. When you hit the Bohemian development, the third stage of Bohemian development, when it can illuminate that nature, Bohemian that illuminate their nature as enlightenment, then you know what that. <coughs> Awareness nature, that true nature inside there is all about. From there, you will move and transform into the fourth stage of Bohemian development. That Bohemian will understand uh, that samsara is nothing. That's why the fourth stage is Bohemian that can renounce samsara. Means to, to the cultivator of the Bodhisattva way, samsara is nothing. They can renounce samsara. Samsara got no more meaning to them. They got no more fear. Because they, by then, understand that that nature is so beautiful. With that nature's understanding, you come, life, existence, become wonderful, beautiful, meaningful. So what is samsara? To them, whether existent or non-existent, no different. With that understanding, you come, you become so beautiful. That's why they keep on coming. They got no hesitation, no more problem at all. So all this understanding will fall into place. Yeah. Very good, James. I do. Can I say some, one other thing about yeah, okay. uh, what you, you mentioned just now about yeah, yeah, yeah. the mundane mind and the thought-based meditation yeah. going into that and then it doesn't really because you still have not let go when you are in that mundane mind. Right, because the mundane so... mind is the only what they call tool or instrument of mind that they understand. So they have been using that that, that yeah. instrument. And so when you use that, it cannot lead to an understanding that is beyond thought, beyond mind. That's why that salutation to the Dhamma make it very clear. This Dhamma is akaliko, sanditiko, akaliko, then ehipasiko. So all these characteristics of the Dhamma that the Buddha described, the mundane mind cannot have the understanding of. Well, all the characteristics that is mentioned there is beyond the thought. Of. 
That's why it is something that needs to be realized. The mundane mind must realize itself and cease. And then the same way is through that cessation, initially, first stage, second stage, a glimpse of it and now. Then when you reach Anagami and Arahant stage, they will go into the cessation longer. But when they come out, the mundane mind come back to them. Heaven collapsed it on. Yeah. So, yeah. but when they hit Anagami and especially Arahant, they no more avijja. They they will not die with ignorance. The last thought moment at the moment of death, no more ignorance. As I no rebirth consciousness condition, samsara or or birth and death. The samsaric process cease no more. The cessation of the segmented form and mind. Ah, that rebirth no more. But when they are arahan before they die. They still have outflow. We have the thought. Outflow of thought. Thought means what? The birth and death of every thought. Are that birth and death is still there. That's why Mahayana is very precise. Means you haven't ceased the complete cessation. You have ceased the segmented birth and death of future birth and death. But you haven't ceased the birth and death of the mundane mind, the thought process. That's why they are actually teaching it very clearly in that sense. But very few people understand. Even a lot of Mayana practitioners, they don't understand what is the meaning of birth and death of thought. But that is the mandema. And that mandema can collapse. Hardly anybody knows. I can tell you that process. Unless they are bodhisattva, great beings, who has gone through this way. Otherwise, they cannot understand. If for that process to happen, uh, it's not easy. One. If I had not let, met my last guy who showed me where the gateway is, I would have to wait for at least 10 to 15 years uh, to find out on my own. No? Despite what I was no? as a bodhisattva coming back and for, for so long. But because of my vow, that's why the last guy came and showed it to me. Then I saved at least 10 years or 15 years. That's why actually that saving helped me actually to transform faster so that I can share all this. Maybe that was the mission that I was supposed to do when Maitreya requested. But the thing is, you remember after 89, then nine months later, my Monday Michael had actually before that, before the nine months, I already have the understanding to teach and to share. But I can't, because there were no conditions, remember. I had to wait for 16 years later, 2004. Oh, for, sorry, 15 years later, 2004, 89 to 2004, until Yun Chan came, uh, before my nature arise and come out to share. Uh, before that, cannot. So to me, whether I find out myself, or my last guy came because of my vow, and I had this uh, saving of that 10 to 15 years. Uh, it's no different for you, Nesana, because I came out 15 years later, Nesana. But for me, there's a lot of difference, because that nature's collapse of the Monday by transformation, that 15 years is very, very important. It costs a lot of things to happen inside that. 
That's why I told some of the Kayamita who have the ability to actually connect to that nature and start doing this transformation. I said that process is very long one. Even until today, 89 until now, 2023. Yeah. It's about 34 years all in. 34 years of that nature's transformation, uh, I still haven't finished. There is still a lot more thing to do. But what I've experienced, my nature has control. That understanding is enough to teach a lot of people. Maybe for a long time to come. Understand? That's why all this, there are causes and conditions behind. And because of my saving in that 10 to 15 years, when I started my sharing in 2004, my understanding was completely different from what is supposed to be. So because of what happened during 2004 onward, I find it so difficult to like explain simple things to cultivate all the way. You know. A lot of Buddhists at that time, that's why after a while, I used to hint to them. I said, anybody who can understand 10% of what I teach, he already very good. Uh, at that time, you all cannot understand what I meant. Then I always tell the Kayamita later on at the retreat. I say, they are like the handful of leaf analogy by the Buddha. Do you remember? The handful of leaves are the essential Dhamma. The sainthood way and all this thing. But the amount of understanding that the Bodhisattva, the Buddha, has gone through this way is like the leaves that is in the whole forest, you know, including those on top of the branches and the ground. You know. So that is the difference. You know. So that leaves that is in the whole forest compared to the handful, which are the essential Dhamma, these are the Bodhisattva way teaching understand? the understanding of that nature inside there, how it transforms and how it becomes different and how it creates the transformation of the physical body, especially the brain part and the consciousness, the evolve, uh, the evolution of the consciousness, and how that awareness nature develops until so different. That's why I, in the Thursday class, I, I hinted that awareness nature. Now I start to teach that one beginning. The awareness nature, actually, there's a lot of things inside that. You, you can understand a lot of things. And as you understand, as you transform, your wisdom becomes so different again. Your perfection. Your, that's why, as a cultivator of the way, you really want to really teach. You have to go the Bodhisattva way. Otherwise, you are limited in your ability to teach. You can teach basic essential Dhamma, but limited in many sense that different people, when they come, their coming background are different. And how to actually understand people, how to understand all the various type of uh, beings, karmic process, nature, and other things, and how to guide them. It's not easy that way. So all this need understanding and cultivation. Okay, so I think today there is a lot of beautiful condition eh, for all this to arise. So we should thank actually 
sister in B for nominating Po Cheng and Po Cheng for creating the condition and Shui for coming in. So nowadays the sharing has become so different. Yeah. So let us now rejoice. Huh? We are the alarm. Exactly six o'clock. We have to end. Huh? Let us rejoice. Huh? Sadu, sadu, sadu. Okay, very good. So, Pochek, you want to summarize? Pochek, right here. Um, there's so much that you talk about the uh, about this um detection of the gateway and yeah, then yeah. the collapse of the mundane yeah. mind, which is a very yeah. interesting topic for all Buddhist yeah, yeah, yeah. that we are very keen to to cultivate this. You know, a lot yeah, of us yeah. already uh, detected the gateway. So the next thing we we have to cultivate is like uh I mean besides doing our daily uh, mindfulness. We also need to cultivate the noble FO path yeah, factors yeah. that Brother Teo emphasized right. so yes. that we can be yeah. a, a truly a aria, like, you know, in yeah, yeah, any yeah. sense of the words, like, you know. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then of course, uh, the other hallmark of uh, Master Huining is the collapse of the mundane mind yeah, and yeah, dwelling. Yeah. So yeah. That's uh, why the this... three hallmarks of Huining actually they will appear to you when your mundane mind collapses. Initially, the sinhu way is the first hallmark, no thought. Uh, the sinhu way, they will realize no thought, but a glimpse of it only, that, that, that short period only. Uh, and when they go into longer cessation, there is no thought involved. Uh, so that one is phase one, or we call it the first hallmark. But the second hallmark that needs wisdom one is exactly what Po Cheng described. You need to cultivate the noble eightfold power. You need to strengthen, stabilize your daily mindfulness. Then your awareness nature within. Then keep on contemplating, reflecting. Then life itself is your greatest teacher. Then everything unfolds. And during that time, you will see very clearly, you know, that the second hallmark of cleaning, uh, there is no mark of a self-cultivating, no mark of others. And no mark of Dhamma. No. Uh, that part is very difficult to understand. Right? No mark of Dhamma. No mark of life, existence, everything within the conditioned world. But all these are marks. And they exist within the conditioned world. Duality, everything. Yeah. So you need to understand the conditional world Dhamma and the unconditioned Dhamma. So this no mark, when they clear, they break free, then the Bodhisattva actually advanced to stage two and stage three of the Bohemian development. But to hit the third hallmark of cleaning, the mundane mind must collapse. Uh, the mind that has no dwelling, that one, the mundane mind must collapse. If your mundane mind don't collapse, you cannot understand the third hallmark of cleaning. The mind must have known that. Because when the Monday mind collapsed, uh, really, uh, there was nothing to actually dwell on. Uh, that, that whole nature shine forth and it's non-grasping. Uh, uh, it's like no mind inside there. Uh, but no mind, how can I function? Uh, that one is a super Monday mind. It's not a Monday mind anymore. It's a different type of mind from that nature, the pure awareness nature, that type of mind. That one shine for. 
That's why no need to practice awareness, do it. No need to do anything that nature shines for. You are the awareness itself. And 24 hours throughout the day, that nature is there with you. That's why that third hormone of cleaning, the mundane mind must collapse to understand it. Otherwise, cultivator of the way cannot understand. That's why you think the six patria sutta easy to understand. The platform sutta. Huh. I tell you, not many people can teach the sutta. And when they teach, they cannot go into the third hallmark of cleaning. They only recite to you, the mind must have no dwelling, and all the Dhamma words. But how it happened in the process, very few people can have that. Unless they are the bodhisattva that take that way, and they have developed beyond Bohemian development stage 3. They are moving into stage 4 to stage 5. Uh, and then they can understand. Uh, before that, not easy. Not easy. Okay? Uh, so anything else? Otherwise, we have to end already. Right, yeah. uh, uh, let's end here, Mahasadu. Yeah, Mahasadu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Profound teaching. Let us rejoice. Huh? Sadu, sadu, sadu. Okay, now we will do the sharing of words. Aka Sata Chabumata, Deva Naga Mahitika, Punyatang Anamoditwa, Chirang Rakan Tulokasana. Eta mata chame sampadan punya sampadan sabe deva anamodan tu sabha sampati sidiya idang menya dinang hotu sukita hontunya teyo idang menya dinang hotu sukita hontunya teyo idang menya dinang hotu Sugita hontunya tayo, Devo wasatu kalina, Sasa sampati hitu cha, Hito bawa tu loko cha, Raja bawa tu damiko, Pimina punyang kamina, Mame bala samagamo, Satang samagamo hotu, Ya wadivana patiya, Sadu, Sadu, Sadu. Okay, so now you all can mindfully pay respect to Sakyamuni Buddha, Konyin Bodhisattva, and all the words you want. Then we end. Huh? Thank you. Sadu. <laughs>